and welcome to the latest in our series of podcasts on the world of crypto. Um, in this episode, we discuss a new forum for resolving crypto disputes. Uh, my name's Gordon. I'm a supervising associate in the regulatory team at Simmons, focusing on crypto assets. And I'm joined today by my colleagues, Caroline Hunter-Yates and Doug Robinson, both from our disputes team. Some of you listening will be familiar with arbitration as an alternative to litigation in the courts when there's a dispute. Arbitration is something that parties have to agree to, usually by inserting an arbitration clause in the agreement, and this has pros and cons when compared to litigation before the courts. The UK's Jurisdiction Task Force, the UKJT, an official body, has recently published its Digital Dispute Resolution Rules. These are a new set of arbitration rules specifically for dispute resolution in on-chain digital relationships and smart contracts. Doug, can you tell me the background to the rules bit and uh, their purpose? Sure. So the rules are published following uh, an extensive consultation and the UKJT's November 2019 legal statement on the status of crypto assets and smart contracts. And that legal statement expressed the view that uh, crypto assets are property and smart contracts are contracts under English law. Uh, And notably, that view has since been endorsed by uh, the courts in cases as an accurate statement of the position under English law. So the purpose of the rules is to facilitate the rapid, cost-effective and specialised resolution of disputes involving digital technology, including crypto assets, smart contracts and DLT. Okay. And how did the rules go about achieving that objective? Well, they contain some really quite groundbreaking features for for arbitration, um, which include uh, speed. Um, so while the procedure they outline is deliberately intended to be flexible and the parties are able to select what their chosen timetable is, the default position under the rules is that the arbitrators will aim to determine the dispute within 30 days of being appointed. Uh, and that, as anybody who has been involved in litigation will know, is significantly faster than the usual timetable for the resolution of a dispute. Um, Another novel feature of the rules is they provide for uh, there to be power on the part of the uh, the tribunal over digital assets. So under the rules, the tribunal will have the power to operate, modify, sign or cancel any digital asset that's relevant to the dispute using any cryptographic key or other digital access available to it. So um, really, really quite novel in that respect. Um, In in order to make this happen uh, and to work in practice, the the panel uh, of arbitrators and experts uh, will be expert and appointed from a panel of technology experts, meaning that the parties can expect uh, a high level of sophistication from those who are uh, the arbitrators or the experts considering the dispute. And finally, um, there's an emphasis on confidentiality in the rules. Uh, They recognise that parties may desire anonymity and envisage that the agreement to arbitrate may provide for anonymous dispute resolution whereby each party's identity will be concealed from the other party and only disclosed to the tribunal. Okay Um, and how will parties be able to ensure that these rules apply in the event of a dispute? Will that just happen automatically? No, so um, the rules don't apply to, to crypto disputes or, or any disputes that matter automatically, it's really instead a case of the parties having to select uh, or elect to adopt the rules um, much earlier uh, in, 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 the, in the story by incorporating the rules expressly into their contract, digital assets or digital asset system, or agreeing after the dispute has arisen that they, they wish to apply the rules. And one of the 
the practical consequences of this is that the rules aren't going to apply really where there's a dispute relating to a criminal act such as theft uh, or fraud or disputes where the parties do not actually have a contractual relationship with one another. So it seems to us that the rules are unlikely to be used very widely in disputes that involve um, in sort of crypto fraud or hacking where there's a bad actor um, because the bad actor won't have a contract and isn't going to agree to these rules applying uh, or to cooperating with the process. Um, it's much more likely that the rules are going to have utility for commercial parties who are willing to cooperate with one another uh, through the process uh, to resolve their dispute um, and therefore are willing to essentially um, agree to go along with what the rules provide. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so would incorporating the rules be quite straightforward, uh, so into your agreement? I will pick this one up. Um, theoretically, yes. Um, I mean, the rules state that can be incorporated into a contract, digital asset or digital asset system by just simply including the text, any dispute should be resolved in accordance with UKJT digital dispute resolution rules. Um, and uniquely, um, it can be uh, in encoded form as well as um, simply electronically. Now, incorporation in code form can give a rise, I think, to some interesting challenges if there's a dispute about whether the parties shared the necessary common understanding for an agreement to be formed. So in order for the text that I just spoke out to sort of be um, properly incorporated, it's necessary for both parties to have shared the intention to incorporate it. But if you've got the text in code form, it does seem to us possible that one party might argue that it was unaware of its presence and therefore didn't have the requisite um, intention. Um, now, some people might be aware of the recent case of Green and Betfred as an illustration of how this kind of issue can arise in the context of digital technology. And, and there, there was a clause hidden deep in the online terms and conditions of the business, and they were held to be unenforceable because it wasn't sufficiently brought um, to the attention uh, of the customer. So click wrap or click through agreements present similar issues, and it's not hard to envisage agreements in code form being similarly affected. Yeah, I can imagine that. So I guess the next question would be, if I was to take a dispute to arbitration under the rules and win, how would I make sure that I received what I'm owed? It's always important to receive what you're owed. Yeah. Um, well, so the rules do include some attractive features relating to the enforcement of awards. Um, the, po the possibility of an on-chain determination be a particularly novel approach. Um, some chin outcome would mean that awards are received by the successful party instantaneously without any further action um, being required. It's going to be interesting to see how this system of on-chain enforcement works in practice. Um, the rules suggest that arbitrators would be able to implement decisions directly on-chain through use of a private key. I mean, in order to do so, the parties are presumably going to have to be willing to share their private keys with the arbitrators, and that may present practical challenges. I mean, you might have parties unwilling to share their private keys um, entirely or may require assurances as to the security of the private keys that are being held by the arbitrators. Whether to be a breach of security, there is the potential for significant value to be lost. And, and that is an area where sophisticated parties could work together with the arbitrators to find a security solution that does enable them to proceed with the arbitration and enforcement while minimi minimising the risk of um, a security breach. That's great. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, that was really interesting, guys. Um, 
it's a good insight into the new rules. Um, I hope that those listening found it interesting as well. Um, and I'm sure we'll be having another podcast coming up in the series soon. Thank you very much.